thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Salt and Light Ministries, where we boldly illuminate genetically altered Christianity and replace it with a firm foundation, building up a strong relationship with God while empowering disciples to disciple. Now, before we get started on this episode, I want to recap what we talked about last week in our Foundations Basics. We talked about learning the basics of building a house of relationship with Jesus instead of uh, continuing our lives and trying to build onto a trailer of religion. Tear down the trailer of religion and start building your house of relationship. And those basics were pretty simple. Forget what you think you already know. Don't approach God's word with a preconceived idea of what he's, of what he's going to say. And read God's word and pray. Reading God's word and prayer are the two parts that actually form a conversation with God. You can't have one without the other. Not if you want to have a real relationship with Jesus. The conversation with God is the basics that ground the relationship. If the basics are the foundational starting point for your relationship, then what we're going to cover this week would be what I consider to be the goal of building the house of relationship with Jesus. And the goal is to become salt and light. Remember, I gave you the scripture to review uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And that really encompasses what Jesus says that you are in the kingdom. You are supposed to be the salt and the light. So the time and effort in between is the journey. That's the process of building your house of relationship with Jesus. So with that being recapped, let's go ahead and jump into the scripture I gave you last at the end of last week's episode. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it season? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that sits on a hill can't be hidden. Nor does a lamp, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead you put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, there is so much in those scriptures that I would love to dive into. But for the sake of time, we are going to focus in on the first part of those scriptures. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, then how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. So let's break that down first. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. Quick observation of salt. It adds a boldness to to food. As a cook, I love to cook with salt because it really does intensify the flavors that I'm trying to bring out. But in studying this, I also learned that salt is a preservative. In fact, the Greek word that is used in the scripture is called halas. Now, halas has a couple of different meanings. One meaning is salt is a symbol of everlasting concord. And concord is like a harmony between people. And the next meaning for it is salt protects food from putrefaction and preserves it unchanged. So, how does salt in that meaning apply to our walk with Jesus? Glad you asked. Let's look over at John chapter 6, 32 through 35. 
Now, in this passage, Jesus is responding to the Jewish people that were following him after the the miracle of him feeding 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. He did the miracle. Him and his disciples go across the Sea of Galilee. The people are running and chasing to find Jesus, and they finally catch up with him. Now, it's important to notice that when they catch up with him, they start asking him these questions. And Jesus knows that they're following him for the miracles, not for the message. And he addresses that. Well, then they turn around and they ask a question. Okay, well, show us a sign that you are the Son of God, that you are the Messiah. God fed our ancestors with manna from heaven. So what will you do? Jesus explained to them, you know what? You're right. God did give bread from heaven to Moses and the Israelites. And in the same way, God's doing the same thing by sending me the bread of life for your redemption. That's a synopsis of what he said. His actual words at the end of that passage was, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So let's take what Jesus said right there, I am the bread of life, and apply it where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. John 1.1 1, 1 explains that Jesus is also the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. So if Jesus is the bread of life, and the bread is the word, and Jesus told you, as a child of God, that you're supposed to be halas, you're supposed to be the salt, the preserver, then wouldn't it be accurate to say that you, as a believer, are to be a bold preserver of God's Word, never making an excuse for the Word of God or allowing it to decay or alter when it comes out of your mouth? That's how salt applies. Unfortunately, many Christians today and in the past have altered God's Word because of their feelings on a topic because they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want anybody to feel excluded. I'm going to make a bold statement. Following Christ and believing that Jesus is the only way to know the Father, I am the truth, I am the life, no man goes to the Father except through me, that's a very exclusive concept. Yes, Jesus told us to love everyone. Absolutely. Jesus also told us not to alter the word that comes out of our mouths, not to water down the word of God. Because God didn't tell us to take care of other people's feelings. He told us to go into all the world teaching the gospel and making disciples of every nation. We as followers of Christ first have to get our feelings out of the way and let God be God. Because God knows what to say, how to say it, when to say it better than any one of us ever could. And that's why the basics are so important as a starting point for your relationship. To become salt, you have to know what God said. Because if we don't, then we run the risk of altering God's word. And if we alter it, it loses its flavor. It loses its power. Which means at that point, we won't be what Jesus told us that we are. We won't be the salt of the earth. In fact, we become what scripture says not to become. Good for nothing. Remember, back in Matthew 5, it says, It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. If you alter what God said in his word, then what you've said is good for nothing. It's useless to the kingdom of God because it no longer has power because you said it, not God. So I implore you, focus after the goal of being the salt of the earth. And remember that, and this is very important to remember, that being bold does not equal being cruel and insensitive because there is a balance supposed to speak truth in love, speak truth with grace, 
It's one thing to give somebody the truth. It's another thing to love them through the truth. In fact, every time Jesus was bold, every time Jesus was the salt of the earth, he did so through grace and love. There's plenty of examples all through the New Testament about this, but I'm just going to give you one from John 8. In John 8, 1 through 12, the Pharisees bring this woman before Jesus that was just caught in the act of adultery. And these Pharisees, they're trying to trip, they're trying to trip Jesus up. They say, under the law of Moses, it says that this woman should be killed and stoned to death because we caught her in the act of adultery. What do you say we should do? Now, this is where Jesus gets bold. <laughs> and I love Jesus because he hears what they said. And then he turns around, kneels down, starts writing in the sand as if he didn't hear what they said. He totally ignores them. That's bold. If someone were to do that to me, I'd get ticked off. I would get angry. Like, you're going to ignore me? Especially the Pharisees of this day. They were like the religious gurus. So you know that had to hit their pride. But Jesus is bold enough to turn around and act like they didn't say anything. So then when they repeat themselves, that's where Jesus' grace and love comes out toward the woman not the Pharisees. She was the one being condemned by the Pharisees. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus didn't embarrass her. Jesus didn't ask her any questions. He simply came out with a bold statement to the Pharisees and said, okay, any one of you without sin, let him cast the first stone. And scripture says they walked away one by one from the oldest to the youngest. That was bold grace and love. Grace and love to the one that was being condemned or being threatened, and boldness to the people that were threatening her. But Jesus didn't stop there. When he gets up, he turns around and says, Woman, is there nobody here that's going to condemn you? And the woman says, No. So here's the grace and love that Jesus says to her. And I don't condemn you either. And he follows that with boldness. Go and sin no more. He commands her to go out and not to sin again. He commands her, Look, this is your freedom. I'm not going to condemn you. And don't do it again. You're free from your sin. Don't return back to it. So recapping what Jesus told us to be. He told us to be the salt of the earth, the halas, a bold preservative. And what that actually and practically looks like, we are to say, we're supposed to say what God said through love, not condemnation. For there is no condemnation in Christ. And in order for us to do this, we have to be prepared because it's going to be scary to be bold. It's going to get uncomfortable at times to be bold and say what God said because it's going to make other people angry. It's going to incite and ignite some conflict. And when it does, remember, you did your part. You did what God told you to do. The rest is in God's hands. Sometimes it takes some conflict to get people out of their sin. It takes conviction for people to want out. It takes boldness. And to be bold takes courage. The courage to stand up for what God said, not what you think. It takes strength. The strength of conviction not to cower down because you get a little bit of negative feedback. Mostly it takes trust in the person that said the words to begin with. If you're going to be a bold preserver of God's word, you've got to trust the person that originally spoke those words and just be a mouthpiece for them to be repeated. That's how you become the salt of the earth. Now, the second part of Matthew 5, 13 through 16 deals with the illumination or the light. 
where Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that sits on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead you put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. So let your light shine before all men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Still so much to unpack. We're going to focus on that part of you are the light of the world. What does Jesus mean when he says you are the light of the world? He's not saying that you have a bright personality. He's not saying that you have to feel on fire for Jesus all the time. He doesn't say he's not saying that you have to be this bubbly, lucky go happy person all the time. Yay! No. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is talking about being the light. In Greek, that light is phios. And if I pronounce that wrong to all you Greek scholars out there, sorry, I didn't take Greek. Phios, anything that emits light, fire, or sheds light. Notice that the word isn't talking about the flame or the source of the energy. It's talking about the byproduct. Light is a byproduct of a specific source of energy. Flashlights, they have a bulb that connects to the batteries. The batteries give the energy and the bulb illuminates. The bulb gives the byproduct of light. A campfire, you start the fire with the wood. The wood is the fuel. The wood is the source that produces the fire. Light is a byproduct of that fire. And in the scripture we're referencing, Jesus is using the lamp as an example. This is what I, one thing I, I love about Jesus. I'll explain it here in a, in a second. He specifically uses a lamp. Now, I had the opportunity to see one of, one of these lamps or a replica of it when my wife and I went over to Israel. And we got to see all the different types of lamps that were used to light up the house and, what, and different uses for these types of lamps. Suffice it to say, the easiest way for me to describe it would be like the lamp from Aladdin, genie's lamp, okay? If everyone would just picture in their minds this, the lamp from Aladdin, the back of the lamp is the handle. The middle of the lamp has a little lid that you would pour the oil into. And then it gets skinny at the neck in the front of it and it has a little hole. And in that hole, you would put a wick all the way down to where it could absorb the oil and you light it at the end that is on the exterior of the lamp. And that wick would actually absorb the oil and give a continuous flow of the source of energy to that fire. A continuous stream of fuel. So if Jesus says that you're the light of the world, then it implies that you're supposed to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to push back the darkness wherever you go. Right? If you put it under a basket, it's obviously not going to illuminate the room because you're hiding it. So what Jesus is saying is, let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I'll take it as far to say that if you're supposed to be the light, the illumination of the fire of the Holy Spirit, then the demons of this world should be pushed back every time you enter a room. When's the last time that happened? I'll be the first to say, I can't remember it happening with me. I'm not perfect. I'm still working on this stuff too. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that you or I become that big shot in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that the demons fear you. I'm not saying that the demons fear me. We're just the servants. I am saying they fear the fire of the Holy Spirit that shines out from you. You as a Christian? Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to all the end of the earth. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and He becomes the source of energy. 
Your witness then becomes the light to the world as a byproduct. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Now I'm going to take it one step further as we wrap it up. Because the example here in Matthew 5 of Jesus using the lamp is a really good example of the genius of Jesus. He takes the entirety of the Christian walk and gives it to us in this single example of a lamp. Check it out. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth, right? Jesus said you're the light of the world. What is a lamp? The lamp is a vessel. You're a vessel. The oil is used as a fuel inside the vessel. The oil is the word of God for you. The wick absorbs the fuel and brings it out of the lamp. Your free will is the wick. Your accepting of God's word is the wick. The spark that ignites the flame outside the lamp at the wick is the halas that you have. So your salt is that spark, that boldness that ignites the Holy Spirit through your willingness to allow God to work. The flame is the power of the Holy Spirit. The light produced from that process is God's phos, the Greek word for light. As you allow God's word to get in you and to become a foundation, you can then allow God's word out of you because you want to share it with everyone else. And with boldness, you spark up that Holy Spirit inside of you, which allows light to be the byproduct of everywhere you go. So I implore you to continue using the basics. Run the race to your goal of becoming salt and light and change this world. Become a disciple that teaches disciples. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Salt and Light.